everyone, and welcome in to episode number 20 of That's What Bee Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host. We've got Meredith at MKN Sports. Hi, Mare. What's up, ladies? Switch it up on you on the introduction. And I almost Wallace. didn't. I know. I almost didn't say hi. I was so thrown <laughs> off. I was like, wait, no, you, t- you, you introduced Brittany first. Bird's eye view. It's because you're at the top of my screen tonight. So I was looking at you. So I got all thrown off by that. Hi, Britt. How are you? We're trying something new tonight, guys. We are keeping you on your toes. Yeah. Oh, ladies. It is a lovely, feels like a summer evening on this Tuesday with this weather. It was snowing last week. We have baseball starting. We skipped over spring and directly went into 80 degrees and summer. Um, I wanted to chat with you guys first. Did you happen to catch the basketball game last night? Baylor Gonzaga men's championship game. I fell asleep. by it was a nine twenty <laughs> tip off. Yes, it was. I fell asleep by 10. I was exhausted. Like I, I understand wanting to have later tip offs to cater to the West coast and to make sure that they can see the games also. But when I was living in central time, I really liked it when those seven o'clock games started at six o'clock. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know. There's something about 11 a.m. college football that I really, really enjoyed. And I know I have friends from college who currently live in San Francisco and they used to do like football brunches on Saturday mornings. They'd go out for those noon, the games that were noon for us would be 9 a.m. for them. And they loved it. Yeah, I would love to watch football at 9 a.m. So I get the late start time, but I'm a child with like an early bedtime and it was too late for me. It was also a snooze fest of a game. So that didn't help. I mean, like you could go to bed and already know who was going to win the game. Yeah. Of all of the exciting games that happened during this year's men's March Madness. Yeah. I have to admit something. Yes, Brittany. I did not watch a single second of March Madness this year. Didn't you have money riding on some of these teams? I won won 50 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you win? So they entered me into this contest and it was like, they assign you a team like out of the 64. So originally I was assigned Oregon state and then they made it to like, like the elite eight, I think randomly, I think they were like a 12 seed (laughs) and then like they lost, but something happened where like, if they covered the money and you still get to go further with the team to beat them. So I ended up like making it to the final four. And then I lost, but I still won 50 bucks, not doing anything. So that's awesome. There you go. I know. Uh, I also won money. um, I'm the only one who's, I'm the only one who's in the red after this. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up doing the squares, the points um, where you have the numbers. And I actually really like that. I do a bracket too, but like the bracket after the first round, it was like, just throw it away. It doesn't mean anything anymore. But with the squares, at least you are at least interested in how the game is going to end because you want your points to hit. So I did end up winning $200 with my numbers. Um, wow. Yeah, That's I got, awesome. I ended up winning in the second round only. So I won $100 both game or each game for $200 Ooh. total. I was really hoping I was going to hit for the championship game because it was a $2,000 pot for that wow. game. Oh man. Yeah, whoever had those numbers made out. Um, so yes, I was invested. I did end up watching, I, I watched quite a bit of men's, UCL UCLA versus uh, Baylor on Saturday night was amazing. Um, that game. Gonzaga. 
yeah was it gonzaga yeah it was gonzaga okay so that game was um amazing when mm-hmm. it came down to like the final shot um but then the game before that sucked so should um, the Cavs tank for Jalen Suggs? Oh. <laughs> so I have been doing brackets every year since I was 13. <laughs> like when I was little, like they, my dad would just give me the sports section of the newspaper and I would fill it out for myself. And then by the time I got into college, I was, you know, doing buy-in pools, like a dollar per bracket or $5 per bracket, like low stakes, nothing big. I have never ever in my life ever gotten the national champion right this year, this year, my bracket, I had Baylor and Gonzaga. Did you? My national championship, but I had Gonzaga over Baylor. And I was like, oh, so close. This is the closest I've ever been. And I actually got a few of the upsets too. Look at so you. I was so impressed with my bracket. And I was like, this is going to be the year that I actually correctly predicted the national champ. Nope. Baylor said, nope. <laughs> Hey, you probably got a lot farther than a lot of, a lot of people did. Next year, I am a hundred percent just letting little dude pick my entire bracket because I swear to you, oh he yeah. had he had the Ohio State upset. He had like all eleven and twelve seeds going out. So next year, I am not stopping him. I'm letting him just do it all. Now, does he understand that you are an Ohio State fan? When he yes. picked the upset, was he like, I want to know the mindset behind that. I am unclear. So last year or two years ago, I guess he did a bracket and I was reading off the team names and he picked, you guys are going to die. He picked Colgate to go to the championship <laughs> because he thought it was toothpaste. So his mind's adorable. I told him it was the Buckeyes and he still picked the opposite it was who beat them i don't even know roberts. roberts that's right blow bob <laughs> <laughs> i miss the blow the blow bob joke so much i wait what was that tweet that it, it was like the the formal name of oral roberts Yes, yes. Was He's it, like, um, excuse me, Oral Roberts sounds so formal. Please call it Blow Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so yes, he he knows I root for Ohio State, and he actually roots for Ohio State as well. In fact, he likes to rub that into his father's face that he roots for the Buckeyes. <laughs> ah. But he was rooting for Michigan since they obviously made it further along in the tournament. He was he was rooting for them. Um, but yeah, he, he was looking at, I think the numbers. So he liked number what they were 15. He liked number 15 better than number two. So that was his (laughs) reasoning. And for whatever reason, he liked all the lower seeds, the bigger numbers. So my friend who does the, um, bracket pool that I enter every year, you can, I think per person or family, you can enter up to 10 brackets. And so people will have like their kids fill out their bracket. Yes. So one of my friends has a three-year-old daughter and her daughter was like winning our pool for up through the sweet 16. Like, she, I don't know how much she knew about college basketball. I know they watch a lot in that house because this friend of mine is a, a Maryland grad and a huge Terps fan. So she watches Maryland basketball like nonstop. So I'm sh- like, so her daughter is definitely exposed to college basketball, but just, you know, this three-year-old randomly picking and she was winning the bracket for several rounds so it's usually how it goes Plus, it's always I, the kids i feel like yes. he thought it was the score 15 to 2 was the score and when we watch like games together he will always root for the team that has more points so i think he thought it was like 
15 was winning he they were you know that was that was better so that was yes. his logic i think behind picking the teams uh, the i like it so makes sense. I like it. makes sense what Respect. i really wanted to talk about though you guys was women's the women's basketball tournament i'm not sure if you caught any of those games but i will say um I was pretty captivated this year by the women's NCAA basketball tournament. And there were a ton of just great storylines to follow throughout um, their tournament as well. And I found myself just being way more into those games than I was necessarily the men's games. Um, Particularly what I wanted to talk about. I know Arizona ended up losing the championship game to Stanford, but I will say like they were kind of one of the teams that were the most talked about. They had their own little Cinderella story kind of came out of nowhere. And then their coach has been making headlines. She was a former WNBA star, Adia Barnes. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit, just because I feel like it resonates with us as a show, uh, me as a mom, but obviously women's basketball, you see a lot more women coaches in Mm. at the colleges, even from like a WNBA lens. And I love seeing women in these leadership positions on a TV platform, just being in their element, uh, badass women, the, the female basketball players too, are just incredible to watch. I was talking to my dad about it too. It's, it's funny because I feel like watching college men's basketball, a lot of people will say like, it's a lot more fun to watch than the NBA NBA. You see a lot of isolation offense being played, like hardly any defense is being played. But in women's basketball, they are actually legitimately running plays. They're playing defense. Like they are, they are setting their offense up and running it. And I just love watching them go through their offensive sets and the way that they play the game. And it's smart and it's strategic. Um, And the Arizona head coach, um, Adia, they upset UConn over the weekend um, to make it to the championship championship game that was on Easter Sunday. And at the end of the game, you know, she's, she's huddling her team up and they caught obviously on camera her in the huddle and she flipped the bird. And I think she said the F word, dropped an F word, whatever, like obviously the emotions were catching up to her. And she was asked about this in the post game press conferences, you know, like, did like, what were you thinking? What happened? And she never apologized for it. She just owned up to her actions and said, you know, it it was an intimate moment between me and my team. We were caught up in the moment. I didn't think it was going to be captured, but I I'm not apologizing for it. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Um, from a lens of obviously us all being females. Um, what were your thoughts on that storyline about her? Did you happen to see this? I saw it. And the fact that it was even questioned irked me because how often do we see that happen in professional football games and yes. baseball games i could think of like 10 things right off the top of my head that are far <laughs> more lewd than a woman and the way that she was dancing too she was like you know oh it was like fun <laughs> this is just like a woman celebrating she's happy let her enjoy this like i the fact that they even asked her like well, what were you thinking? like i was celebrating with my team and i love that she did not apologize for yes. it because why would she she didn't hurt anyone she was having a moment with her girls like okay exactly so i i 100 agree with you Brittany. because let, let's take the browns for example so when hard knocks was here and we were watching those episodes obviously because they were on, on hbo they're uncensored 
Like I remember very specifically Todd Haley screaming, nice job, you fucking kicker. And just yeah. <laughs> stuff like that happening all the time. Do you think anyone asked Todd Haley about saying the F word in a right. press conference? No. no. Did Hugh Jackson cuss? Of course he did. Was he asked in a press conference? No. When NHL 24 seven was on HBO and they would do those like road to the winter classics. It was very similar to hard knocks, but it was specifically for the winter classic game every year. The players were uncensored, the coaches were uncensored, and you would just hear some really heinous things being tossed around on the ice and in the locker room. Never once were any of these men asked about using the F word or anything else in a press conference ever, but a woman does it. And all of a sudden that's a story. Yeah, I was, how dare I'm, I'm, lady show emotion I'm after upsetting like, the number one seed in the conference and making it to the championship. They weren't even yeah. supposed to like really be at this yeah. point in the tournament. How dare she and, show emotion? And like, okay, so right after it happened, I, I don't remember if this was, I don't think it was like a, a satirical tweet. I think somebody was genuine when they tweeted this, but they showed the clip and they said something along the lines of, you know, there are kids watching this or, you, and I'm just like, is this real life? Is this like, did you guys see that? No, I didn't. No. I don't know if it was like a parody thing, but I saw it. Cause that's how I originally, cause I didn't watch, I didn't watch any of the tournaments. I didn't watch any of the basketball, but I saw like, you know, clips of certain things. I saw that. And it was because somebody was like, there are kids watching this. How could she do that? How disrespectful, how, you know, crass. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I just, yeah. I remember when I was younger, I don't remember exactly what age, but I remember the exact moment my parents let me watch a rated R movie for the first time. I think I was maybe 13 or 14 and the movie was Air Force One. And I asked my dad why this movie and not like the South Park movie. Cause I really wanted to watch the South Park movie. Cause I thought it was funny. And he was like, no, he said, Air Force One. The reason it's rated R is because it's got a lot of colorful language. You know, the plane scenes are a little violent, but he said to me very specifically, I can explain cuss words to you I don't want to have to explain the sex scenes to you and that was the whole thing like that was the whole reason why he let my brother and I watch Air Force One because he was like it was just a lot of f-bombs like I don't he's like that's not gonna I don't care if you watch a movie with a bunch of f-bombs in it but I don't want you watching South Park because there's a lot of concepts in that movie that I don't want to have to explain to you <laughs> like, that's something that like I've taken with me like into my adulthood because how many times have we accidentally cussed around, you know, kids, nieces, nephews, whatever. Like I know I haven't, you know, been perfect around my nephews and every once in a while they'll like laugh at me and like catch me and be like, aha, you have to put a quarter in the swear jar. Like they find it funny, but you know, it's like, I don't know. I just, I get, I get so, so upset when women are held to a different standard than men for no reason at all. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, and according yes. to a lot of these people, no one watches women's basketball anyway. So why are you getting upset if no one watches women's <laughs> basketball? I would say I watched women's basketball pretty regularly. I want to say from 2013 to like 2015-ish. And that's just because UConn went undefeated for almost two years straight, like two and a half years straight or something ridiculous like that. They went undefeated and won the national championship. I was captivated by that team. That team was more fun to watch than an NBA team. And uh, I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't catch as much women's basketball this year 
that I have, but like in the past, I have been very captivated by women's basketball. Like I love women like WNBA too. I'm a huge Washington Mystics fan. Like it's just women's basketball is a very entertaining product. It really is. And I think you almost have to go into it thinking that it's a, not like a different sport, but you can't go into it thinking that you're going to see a six foot seven LeBron James making right. dunks every yeah. single time. You're going to see like a six foot Elena Della Don make plays. Like that's how you have to go into it. So I just think that, you know, people judge it poorly. Yeah. In I, related news, I heard that Candace Parker might eventually replace Shaq or uh, what's his face? Paul Pierce. Oh, no. Well, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on CBS or TNT or whatever, oh. I I was, the streets were talking streets. over the weekend. And I they said that, that Candace Parker might replace him, which I think would be wonderful because I love Candace Parker. I grew Absolutely. up obsessed with Tennessee and Pat Summit. Yes. Team. Because oh I, my I, God, yes. Yeah, I played basketball and my dream was to go play for her. And when you talk about someone who is fiery and shows emotion and is hard on her girls, I remember thinking like, that is who I want to play for. Like someone that will push you to your absolute breaking point, but also get the very best out of you. To me, like, I think she caught a lot of heat back in the day too, with just how emotional she was on the sidelines. She would throw things. Um, but again, you, you had to hear that about her versus how great of a coach she was, right? Like her legacy of, of what she accomplished, it was almost like her, her personality outweighed all of her accolades as a coach. You want to hear a fun fact about Pat Summit? Tell me. The yes. women that went through her program as Lady Vol at Tennessee had a 100% graduation rate. That's amazing. Oh my Every God. single woman that she coached graduated from the university of tennessee holy crap Love that. that's amazing can you can you say that about any men's coach no well no i think the other thing that's tough about that is you know college basketball is a filter for the nba right so yeah they're one and done exactly yeah. it's like one i mean back then it wasn't necessarily one and done but it was two years three years and they wouldn't graduate they go and try to make it in the nba so it Unfortunately yeah. for women and girls specifically, um, in my, in my job, we talk about in my real job, we talk about this a lot, but girls actually drop out of sports at a way younger age than, than boys do because girls don't see a future in the sport that they're playing versus mm. little boys. They actually, even though it's really hard to make it professionally, um, little boys have this dream to play professionally, but even so they will go on to play college. Um, even if it's, you know, D3, D2, um, or obviously D1, really good athletes. Um, but, but they kind of have in the back of their mind, like I can make, I can make something else. I can get a scholarship. A lot of girls just don't see a future in the sport and they drop out at a way higher rate than, than any boys do at the same age. And it's really, really sad because there's just a lack of representation. And I 
want to make sure that my daughter who is into sports right now, like she's seeing it. So I wanted to make sure like she was watching women's basketball, not just men's basketball on the TV and seeing like these badass women going out there and competing. And also, by the way, looking freaking amazing while doing it. I was mm. literally like, God, these girls eyelashes look better than mine. And they're playing <laughs> D1 sport right now. Um, but anyway, I'm going off into a tangent. I want to get back into um, Arizona's coach because the other thing I wanted to just point out, um, really, really strong representation for working moms. So loved reading this article about her. Had no idea about this until obviously watching the tournament, but she had a baby in September. So she had a six-month-old throughout this entire process of going into coaching basketball, obviously had her baby with her during the tournament, and in the championship game, they were talking that she ended up coming in a little bit late after halftime because she was pumping and she nursed during halftime. And then they would like pan oh and gosh. show her baby on the sideline being fed by a bottle. Um, and they wrote an article about her experience. And she made the comment like this, what a great day for working moms. Like we, we do it all. Like we have to do it all. And if you're bothered by this, like if anyone has a problem with me nursing at halftime or us talking about it, then you're part of the problem. And I was just thinking it is so true. And one of the things I found interesting is that during the NCAA tournament, she actually had to make a choice. The NCAA had to make a choice like children in order to be bubbled. They had to lose a staff member in order to bring children on this trip. Like the NCAA wouldn't allow them to have like all these additional people because of protocols. Um, so it just counted against the teams. It was a 34 person travel party limit, meaning that the coaches with young kids had to choose between a staffer or their baby or child. Oh my God. Yeah. So I read, you know, I read that too. When Jesus. you think about like, when you think about that, a working mom, especially one that just gave birth, you obviously, if you're breastfeeding specifically, you want to try to feed your your actual child more than you want to pump. That's just how it is as a mom. Like you want to be with them and be able to feed them versus pumping nonstop. It's just way more convenient to do it that way. Um, they didn't get any special childcare stipends, no special accommodations, like nothing for these children. And when you want to talk about inequality, like this is right up there with it. Because when you think about oh, the yeah. men's tournament, how many male coaches would have to choose between their child or a staffer, right? A lot of them sure. will just pawn their children off. Well, my wife will take care of the child or yeah. so-and-so, you know, a working mom who, whose child is depending on them to be fed. It's not an option. So I just thought that that was like another really interesting storyline out of this whole thing and just bringing light to all the working moms. And she also talked about like, she didn't get like a maternity leave. She was on a Zoom call a week after her C-section. And as someone who has had a C-section, I would have been in no shape to even get online and have either of you look at me <laughs> to talk. So um, just a pretty incredible story. So if you guys haven't read about her, um, I think um, Adia and her Arizona team will definitely be a team to watch in the next coming years. I mean, if you had, if Mike Krzyzewski 
came down with a head cold, he'd be out of commission for a month. You had this woman whose body was literally cut open and a living creature was taken out of it. And then she was back to work within seven days. Just, I don't understand how people can look at women and not be impressed. I just don't understand. Just for existing. <laughs> yes. Well, I forget oh who God. I was having. I forget who I was having this conversation with, but and this is one of the reasons why I have so much respect for Mary Kay Cabot because she and you know Didi Kinkabala they have children and they work in sports, and I don't know why or how this conversation came up, but someone brought up like me having kids someday and the thought of being pregnant while having to run around first energy stadium and be on my feet and running up and down stairs and being in like media, all of that. It just gave me so much anxiety. Cause I was just like, how would I run around the basement of first energy stadium and then up to a press box and down to a media room and into a locker room if I needed to go there? Like, how, how do you do that? Like it just, the, the whole idea just gave me so much anxiety. It's Listen, not if even I ever get it, pregnant, it, I just want to like be bedridden. <laughs> Everyone wait on me for nine months and I'm just going to get like monstrously fat. And that's my goal. Like I can't imagine doing things while also like creating <laughs> a human inside of me. Like that's just, they, they don't mesh. I don't know how people just go on. Like Brie, you probably worked all through your pregnancy both yes. of them yes. I can't that doesn't register in my brain as something that I can possibly do <laughs> like I'm I just gonna have it to just, it give seems up. so it seems so hard here's what I will right? say I will say like looking back at it the easiest part was having the baby inside of you and working the hardest part for me was once the baby was born and then trying to just find that balance of okay I'm now a working mom I also like, did I lose a part of who I was before, before I had kids? Like, who am I now? Do people respect me? Do they think of me the same if I have to leave at 4.30 to make it to a doctor's appointment? Um, they didn't see me working, logging on my computer at 7 p.m. to finish up work at 9 p.m. if I left at 4.30. There's just so many questions that you just start to doubt, like, almost everything about who you were before you had a kid. And it truly is. And when you add hormones on top of that, you guys like maternity leave in this country, I could do a podcast about just the lack of <laughs> yeah. support that mothers get and working mothers specifically, that the expectation is that after six weeks, you should be ready to fully be mentally, physically back in a position to be working again. I mean, I'm sorry, plug your ears if you don't want to hear this. You're no, don't still plug bleeding. Your ears. <laughs> you are still bleeding at six weeks. You are still physically, yeah. like your doctor has to clearly clear you for physical activity after six weeks. But yes, send the moms back out into the workforce. They're fine. No emotions at all. Jesus. Yeah, I was about to say, don't cover your ears. You need to hear this. <laughs> and the saddest thing too was, and I actually, I was fortunate enough to be able to take 12 weeks. I had to take, you know, a leave of absence. I, you don't get paid the same amount that you do. If you take an extended leave, it depends obviously on what company you're working with, whatever. But at 12 weeks, I went back to the office and I will never forget that is the time when your baby is actually starting to form a personality and they start to smile and they start to recognize who you are. And then you're like, 
And now I have to go back to work and drop you off with a stranger to watch you. And they get to experience all of your firsts without me. Yeah. So yeah. again, just like emotionally, it is draining. And I will never forget going back after little dude was born. Um, he got sick. Um, I went back in January. So it was like the height of cold season, flu season, whatever. And my like very first week back, I got a call from my husband that he was he was in for a checkup and he wasn't breathing well. So he was at the emergency room with him and he had to, he was on like a little like breathing apparatus because he was struggling to breathe because he had like a cold. And I will never forget feeling like the worst mom in the world that I like didn't even know that he wasn't feeling well. I was a wreck. So yes, they get all the germs and you have to deal with that. And then you get the germs. So, wow, anyway. this sounds so fun, guys. Who even needs birth best. control anymore? <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Okay, we will move on and talk about some football stuff. Sorry, guys, got into pregnancy maternity. <laughs> My later. tubes tied themselves during that conversation, so don't worry. Well, Brittany, for when you do decide to get pregnant and you want to be bedridden, we have a wonderful sponsor of our show. Because today's episode is brought to you guys by the Northwest Group. They are the leader in branded home textiles for the world's most loved and recognized brands in sports, entertainment, and lifestyle. They have wonderful blankets, pillows, super cozy stuff. And we have a special code for our listeners. You can use code GIRLCLE for 25% off at www.thenorthwest.com. Again, um, that's 25% off of your entire purchase. I just did a Baker Mayfield blanket giveaway, which I'm sure you guys saw on Twitter. Little dude is obsessed. That blanket is the softest, coziest thing ever. Um, And we're going to be doing two more giveaways. One of them will be on Brittany's account. So make sure you were following her. Uh, I don't think Brittany's picked what she's going to give away yet. So you're going to be surprised by that. And then Meredith will be doing one next week. Um, Hopefully a cozy little blanket for you guys as well. So be sure to follow us and look out for those giveaways from the Northwest group. And if you don't wanna wait, again, we have a 25% off code. You just have to go to www.thenorthwest.com and use code G-I-R-L-C-L-E. Brittany is gonna be in like a Brown's robe while she's pregnant <laughs> with a little bell <laughs> and she's gonna ring it and she's gonna be like, guys, ding a ling Duncan, please. <laughs> Listen, I, I cannot wait to be like a worthless pregnant person. Just you will not be bed. worthless. You, you will be creating. You will be creating a baby, <laughs> watching Grey's Anatomy. That's my life. That's what I was destined for, I think. That and cheering from Miguel Cabrera. Those I are love my how you two... said Grey's Anatomy. You, I love it. I love Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I've been watching the early episodes lately. We are so good. Although at one one point, Brittany, we might have to do a How I Met Your Mother breakdown on this podcast because I know you started going through that show. Oh, yeah. We just uh, finished season two last night. So we're into season three now. We're I might like have blasting to, through it. I might, yeah, it's such an easy show to get through. I might have to start watching it too, just to, just to remind myself. But that was for a good chunk of time was like my absolute favorite show. That was a show that I, like, I call it like the comfort shows, you know, like the shows that you've seen a million times, yes, but yes. you always rewatch. That's how I met your mother for me. So I, so when you said you were watching it, I was like, oh, you're be prepared for the like dissertation. Breakdown. It's very cute. Sense. I, 
I appreciate it. So I watch that when when Danny's here, and then when he's not here, I'll watch Grey's Anatomy because he does not like Grey's Anatomy. Jeff loves Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. We that's our show. Can I tell a funny story that's like completely off topic before we get to Browns? Of course. So I was not aware that Ellen Pompey's character in that show was named Meredith. I had no idea. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, because I've never seen Grey's Anatomy, so. <gasps> I, I'm okay, if I'm watching How I Met Your Mother, you have to yes, watch Grey's Anatomy. Please, okay. There it is. All right. Um, like 17 seasons to get this. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're anyway. all an hour long. Get oh ready. my God. Oh my God. You'll I don't know if I can do in. it. You can do it. You so, can do it. I'll be anyway. pregnant by the time you finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was messaging with this guy. This was years ago when I still lived in DC. And I was messaging with this guy from tinder and we kind of hit it off and we exchanged numbers and he asked me what my last name was and he was like because i want to put it in my phone which makes sense i'm the same way like if if you are in my phone you are first and last name like i like if if it's not first and last name i don't know who you are so he said you know hey can i have your last name so i can you know fill out your contact card on my phone and he's like please don't tell me it's gray and i was like what are you talking about (laughs) i love this man i was so confused (laughs) And he what was happened like, to him? Where'd he go? He's married now, not to me. Uh, but <laughs> uh, he's also a Penguins fan, so I couldn't have done it. But like, why is you? Huh? Like, why is you? <laughs> no, like, like Pittsburgh Penguins, the hockey team. The only Penguins I recognize are why issue. Penguins. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. But yeah, he was like, "Don't tell me it's Gray," because I guess he thought I was going to give him a fake last name, and I had no idea. I was like, "What? Like Gandalf the Gray?" <laughs> And he oh was like, gosh. and he was no, he's like, no, like Meredith Gray. And I was like, what? I, I was so confused. And he was like, you know, from Gray's Anatomy. And I was like, oh, I've never seen that show. And then immediately he was like, oh, I've never seen it. I just, I had an old girlfriend that maybe like, he was immediately like some like, oh, I, I my haven't, gosh. Like, oh my God, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I was like, I like, I don't care. That's fine. If you want to watch Gray's Anatomy, like doctor shows are interesting. Sure. Yes. I don't, like, but he was so flustered. And I had no idea. I thought it was, I thought it was Gandalf the Great, like my whole life. No. Wow. It's gray. Like the color gray. I need to like watch more nerdy things. What is that? Lord of the Rings? Yes. See, I knew that. That was impressive. I didn't didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Is that my precious? It's my precious. Yes. Is that who that is? No, that's Gollum. Yeah, I thought he was great. Oh, well, you know, I can't get them all right. Okay. Correct franchise, wrong character. That's fine. Before we get into Browns, have you guys seen Godzilla vs. Kong yet? No, I haven't. No, but it's on my list. I heard it's I heard it's very fun. Did you like it? Okay, like I still have the last half hour to watch because we started oh. watching it Easter at my parents and then we had to leave. But I just want to go on like a mini rant here. Just Please do. Quickly. I, I didn't want to watch it, number one, because I thought, okay, they're going to make Godzilla fight King Kong. Like this just does not seem like a fair fight. And let me just say that I was right per usual so the first like hour and a half is just them torturing this monkey who actually seems like a pretty cool guy and they're setting him up to fail repeatedly like again and again and again he just wants to like mind his own business and relax i'm not watching it yeah he doesn't want to fight anyone and they're like forcing him into fighting this radioactive you know 10 hundred feet tall lizard thing that like beams and it's like this monkey just wants to be left alone so my fears were true i don't know how it ends yet i'll let you guys know 
there's a twist that I won't give away because something else happens. But so far, I am not loving it. It's exactly what I feared it would be, an unfair fight. So I heard that Skull Island was the King Kong movie that was the good one. So that might be on my watch list. I never saw that one. I just, like, I watched all the Godzilla movies because, like, obviously my dad's a nerd and he made us watch all the nerdy stuff when we were little. So, like, I used to watch, like, the black and white Godzilla movies. And now I still watch them as adults because I'm still kind of a nerd. So anyway, let's talk about sports. Yes, let's <laughs> do it. Okay, we'll get a, we'll get into a little bit of the Browns, and then we have a little bit of the MLB to cover, and we'll get you out of here. So kicking off with the Browns, um, we didn't have a chance to talk about this last week. I'm losing track of time. I don't even know if we would have talked about this last week, but um, the NFL, this 17-game season, I was just randomly thinking about this a couple of a week ago or so about Brittany, I immediately thought of you because I'm like, this is going to eliminate an even record. There's no safe predictions anymore. There's no eight and eight. A winning record if, or a losing record. So what if, that's what right. if they go what if they go eight, eight, and one? Okay, no. Meredith, get that's out of here. Option. <laughs> that is your prediction. Listen, <laughs> I'm not talking about the Browns. I'm talking about any team. What if the Steelers you, went eight, eight, and one? You can just edit that out, okay? As you're editing this tonight, just edit that out. I don't want to give anyone any ideas for not taking a stance. The NFL is forcing you to take a stance this year, guys, and I love it. I could not be happier. I saw a lot of people are, like, stressed out about it for something. They're like, why Why now? Why do they have to play with it? Like, it's another game. Cry about it. You know, it's another NFL game that we all get to experience and have fun with. Cool. But, you know, people have to find reasons to complain. I get it. But yes, we're finally forcing people to take a stand. And take I stand. cannot be happy. Yeah, I call well, this I mean, the Brittany Mollis effect. Roger Goodell was clearly like, Brittany Mollis is on to something. We don't Mollis want mediocrity in the NFL. Right. No mediocrity. Hashtag, hashtag Mollis was right. And for the people, okay, so I have a message for the people who are like upset that it's an odd number of games. It doesn't oh, yeah, need to be. OCD, man. So Shut here's up. the thing. OCD. Yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. There are 20 NFL games per year, typically four preseason and 16 regular season. Now we're getting three preseason and 17 regular season. Well, there is still 20 games. So for those of you who are crying because there's not an even number, there is an even number of L, a number of NFL games. We're getting 20 games, three preseason, 17 regular season. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Eight, yeah. eight and one, baby. I was gonna say, what's your early no. record? What's your what's your prediction for the Browns? <laughs> I think the Browns are gonna win twelve to thirteen games this year. Meredith, with the spice. Wow, that's it. very optimistic of you, Meredith. That is. They have, I, a hard have, they have a hard. Well, their schedule is technically they're playing the third place, but they they do have some tough tough games on their schedule. It is, and I have full faith in the squad that Andrew Barry put together. I think that he put a gift on a platter for Kevin Stefanski and his entire staff, yes. Andrew Barry said, here, I am getting you the best players I possibly can. I am re-signing all of the players that I possibly can. Coach, here you go. Do with it what you will. And we know Kevin Stefanski is going to rock it. That's just, it's going to be a great season, you guys. I'm so excited. I love it. Can't wait. I love this, Meredith. Okay, Sup? so we haven't on our show quite talked about the draft yet. Don't get excited. We're not really going to talk about the draft. <laughs> All the what? what is that? <laughs> um, so draft, the draft, draft. like, like draft beer. 
we're going to talk about maternity leave though. So. <laughs> um, okay. So we will talk a little bit about it, but um, here's the unique situation that the Browns are in this year. The Browns don't need to focus on a specific position. We as Browns fans are not used to this. Last year, the Browns, you knew with their pick, they were going to select an offensive lineman. That was a hole that the Browns needed to fill. So the entire focus for Browns writers, Browns experts, that's what B said podcast host, we were focused on offensive linemen, picking our favorite and dissecting every move that they made. This year, the Browns hold pick number 26, a number that we didn't even know was in the first round of the draft until this year. And you know what? The Browns control their own destiny. We are not familiar with being in this position. And we made a lot of really good free agency moves on the defensive side. So what we will say is experts, experts. <laughs> Who are these experts, by the way? Like, what are they experts in? Like predicting Mel, Mel, the future? Is Mel Kuyper the only <laughs> expert we recognize? I don't know. Todd McShay, like, isn't he an expert kind of? Yeah. <laughs> So I no disrespect. He's just annoying to me. I don't like him. There are, I have a lot of respect for the guys at, uh, at pro football focus. Um, that's probably the one website that I really, really pay a lot of attention to because if the guys who write for PFF are saying something, I believe them because they're analytics people. I am like, I laugh at all of the people prior to hiring Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski that were so upset about the idea of analytics, but then using pro football focus to quote stats. And I was just like, <laughs> pro football, like their whole shtick is analytics. Everything they do is based in analytics. Like they're just, I'm a huge fan of theirs that they employ a lot of very smart people at that website. So I just, I laugh when people are like uh, analytics, but on pro football focus, it says. <laughs> so yes, these experts, um, they are still predicting a defensive heavy draft for the Browns. Although the Brown stance still remains a mystery. So I want to talk hypotheticals a little bit. Um, even with all the moves that Andrew Barry and team made this off season to enhance the defense, Obviously, it still feels like draft positions are still being talked defense. So I wanted to ask you guys first, from a positional standpoint specifically, what is your number one position still of need on the defensive side? I'm not even going to talk about offense. Like, if, great, if they get someone on offense, that's just going to be a gift for us. But I think we're covered yeah. there when it comes to the offense. So for me, I'd say – number one would be cornerback. And I used to like lean more towards linebacker, but I, the more I thought about it, you can't completely count on greedy. Yes. And, um, Denzel. guy, Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> guy, my brand, like I am, I think I have dementia, honest to God. I can't remember anything anymore. Um, but no, like the more you think about it, the more you're like, okay, they're, you know that Denzel's great when he's there, no doubt. And Greedy, we still don't know for sure what his potential is. Um, yeah. So you got to get some more cornerbacks, and, and I think body. I think they will. Yeah. Meredith, that would agree, be my hope. Disagree or any any other focus on the defensive side? 
I think Brittany made great points. I absolutely agree with everything she said about corner, but I, I would lean towards linebacker. Um, and initially I was going to say defensive end because you, I think we're still kind of looking for the guy that to play across from miles yep. Garrett. But the reason I don't say that and is because Olivier Vernon is still on the table for the Browns. Like he hasn't been, his contract hasn't been re-upped yet, but if Andrew Barry can get the right price for him, he will. And I absolutely love Olivier Vernon. I think it's, I think our defense was robbed because we didn't have miles and Vernon on the field at the same time at any point last season. Yeah. Yeah. So man, I think that if you had a healthy miles and a healthy Olivier Vernon on the field together, that defense unstoppable. So my initial, my initial would, would have been defensive end, but I really want the Browns to resign Olivier Vernon. I think linebacker is kind of where I'm leaning just because you really need those big guys that can tackle and get to the quarterback. So can I, can I interject we... real fast? Go ahead. Cause yeah. this is what sold me on it. And it was actually friend of the show, Pete Smith, Pete. because he had been arguing with people all day about <laughs> linebackers and Pete quarterbacks. Smith doesn't wait, argue wait, wait. with anyone. What are you talking about? Is Pete right? sacrificing, is Pete sacrificing Jarvis Landry? Is he trading, Jarvis, he's trading Jarvis Landry for the entire defense. <laughs> he has said, listen to this point though. This is a great point. He said, for people worried about the Ravens, for some reason, the Bills shut their offense down, not because they had linebackers, but because their corners took out their receivers, allowing their safeties to play with an eye on Lamar Jackson. They won with numbers as yeah. close to size. And once again, despite allegedly bad linebackers, the Browns defense took Derrick Henry out of the game against the Titans. So I was thinking about it and, you know, he went on to, to talk more about cornerbacks and how you could sort of um, not hide them, but or not linebackers you sort of like yeah hide's not the right word but you could sort of uh compensate in other areas Disguise them <laughs> yes like you know if safeties cornerbacks if you have very strong at these positions maybe you don't need to to go so long back you don't not saying yeah. that Mac Wilson is enough <laughs> but you know maybe you'll have a breakout year who's to say we Who's can't predict. Who's, Who's to, to say? say? Well, yeah. The Browns re-signed Malcolm Smith, obviously veteran who played on the team last year, did really well on on the team, and then they signed Anthony Walker, who we talked about last week on the show. I'm kind of with you there a little bit, Brittany, because I feel like with what the Browns are doing right now with all these signings, they're finding guys that are versatile in their positions. So yes, uh-huh. they may be attached to, we signed a safety, we signed a linebacker, we signed um, a cornerback, but these guys can rotate and play kind of these versatile positions to make up for like, oh, yes. we. I mean, they may not even have linebackers on the field at the same time. They may, they may set with three safeties on the field at the same time. Like I Whoa. think Joe Woods is actually going to be able to throw a bunch of different looks next year based on the players so that they're getting. I am so excited for Joe so Woods. I, I hope, I hope he has a comeback he season. <laughs> comeback season of the year. And then we I, can yes. say suck it to all you haters that wanted to fire yeah. him after last year when exactly. he was working with Mac yeah. Wilson and Anderson, so Anderson Dejo. <laughs> or, or as uh, Caitlin likes to call him, 2-3. Two, 2-3, three. Two, three, five, one. <laughs> five, one. Run, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I just... 
I felt very bad for Joe Woods last year because you could tell he was doing everything he could with what he had, but there's there's only so much you can do with two, three. Yeah, and, and we've talked about that at nauseum, and we don't want to yeah. sit here and make fun of players. Like, the defense, unfortunately, was not set up last year with what they had anticipated. They lost key players. We played injured um, almost the entire season. Actually, yes, the entire season because they lost key pieces at the beginning of the season. And you had co- you had the COVID, you had injuries. There were just so many factors that hurt the defense last year. I just love their mindset this year, which is getting guys that are quick, fast, versatile, similar body types. I just have a really good feeling about this. And the reason that we don't want to spend a ton of time breaking down players in the draft for the Browns to target is the fact that we are holding pick number 26. Guys, when you get to pick number 26, so many things can happen between one and 25. There are still free agents out there that are available that we don't know what's going to happen. I am not about to get myself sold on any one singular player because again, there's just so many things that can happen in those picks one to 25. And I think we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment. If you really truly think that there's one guy that the Browns are going to go with. Fortunately for us, the Browns, I mean, they hold the ball. It's in their court. They get to decide who the best player is to sign or just to join this roster. I do want to, so I do want to put something out there. I have a few thoughts. The first thing that I want to put out there is if the Browns sign an offensive player or they draft an offensive player at 26, specifically wide receiver, I don't think there's any reason to panic period at all because draft experts have said over and over and over again, you draft for the future, you sign free agents for now. So if the Browns do decide to go wide receiver, it's not a bad omen for Jarvis Landry. It's not a bad omen for Odell Beckham Jr. It is pretty <laughs> Here's the thing. It's, it's Andrew. It's Wait, not. Meredith, it's Andrew. pause. Meredith, pause. Browns Twitter will melt down. You were saying oh, yeah. that Browns draft Twitter will melt that's it. down. No, so, but, here's, but here's what we're looking at. Like, did we get like, how, how much of greedy Williams did we get to see last year? Like none, like the draft, the like the only draft pick that we really saw on the field last year was Jedrick Wills. And that was out of necessity. If Andrew Barry is drafting a wide receiver now, it's probably because he's thinking, okay, this is a kid that's going to learn from Odell and learn from Jarvis and learn from, from Hollywood and sit under them for a year or two. And then, you know, once Jarvis's contract is up, if he decides to leave same thing with Odell, if they decide not to resign with the Browns, you've got a really powerful wide receiver that sat behind those guys for a year or two. So that's why I'm saying if the Browns, I don't think they will, but if they do sign a wide receiver, that doesn't mean that anything in the current wide receiver room is going to change. It just means that Andrew Barry is playing cones of Dunshire while other GMs think they're playing chess. That's it. (laughs) Cones of Dunshire. No, and I think that's the that's the wonderful thing about having a very smart GM is that we don't have to worry about these things. So can and I point out we something? don't have to like yeah, go ahead. Another thought that I had about Andrew Barry is last year was his first year as as our GM. And he went very, very offense heavy during free agency during the draft. Andrew Barry put together this offensive line that was graded one of the best offensive lines in the NFL for the entire NFL season last year. 
that yeah, was, they were the that, they were the number one, and they're they're projected to still be the number one line going. That into was it. Andrew Barry's work. Heck yeah! So that's why I'm so excited for these defensive players that he's signing because we saw firsthand what Andrew Barry is capable of because he signed he he spent free agency on offense by getting players like Jack Conklin and Wyatt Teller. And I mean, obviously he, you know, drafted Jedrick Wills, but he tried to address the defense in the draft. And unfortunately those draft picks weren't able to be on the field last year, but he spent a good part of last offseason concentrating on this offensive line. And now they're the number one offensive line. And that's exactly what he's doing for the defense this year. He is concentrating on yes. the defense. So it's just like, there's literally no reason to worry because we have seen firsthand what Andrew Barry is capable of. He took the Browns offensive line from, I don't know what to peewee level football to being the number one offensive line in the NFL. So I just, that was a thought that I had swirling around my head, just more love it. Yeah. Just, you know, more positivity for Andrew Barry. Cause I think he deserves all the accolades. Love yeah. It. And Andrew Barry, we trust. Yes. Brittany, did you want to make one last point before we move on? Um, no, remember last year when they were, when they dra when they drafted, uh, Wills and everyone was worried, like, well, you know, you need him for this position, but he's yeah. only played this and Andrew Barry's like, <laughs> okay, calm down. Like, I know what I'm doing. He's going to be fine. Like, it's not as big of a deal as everyone thought it was. And guess who was right guys. That's the point I wanted to make. Not any of us. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew yeah. Well, Barry yeah, right. I, <laughs> well, yeah, because so Jed was, yeah, Jed was a right tackle at Alabama and Andrew Barry's drafting him to be a left tackle. And I think that's what people were worried about. But yeah. the quarterback he was blocking for was a left-handed quarterback. So the right, the right side was the blind side. So I think that was sort of, because I know initially that was my reaction too of, of, oh my God, he's drafting a right tackle that needs to play left tackle. What, like, what's Baker going to do? And then I was like, well, he knows how to block the blind side. That's what he's been doing, but he's just been doing it on the right side because his quarterback was a lefty. Makes sense. Also, Jedrick was the second rated um, left tackle this year uh, behind Tristan Wirfs. I think Wirfs rated or graded slightly above him, but pretty solid because I think if I recall, Jedrick, I don't think had a great training camp. So there was a little bit of nerve. Yes coming yes. out of him going into the season. So that's amazing. And again, all credit to Bill Callahan as well for getting that group mm -hmm. ready oh, yeah. and consistently dominant week to week, even when there were injuries and that line was decimated. Yes. Incredible work. And he's back guys. Like that's yes. the other, like all the coaching staff is back again. I what think that's staff? another, I know that's another no. thing that I think to be really excited about <laughs> because a lot of times uh, when you see these coaches and you know that this is going to happen with Callie, like she's probably going to go somewhere where she can be a full-time coach. Cause you know, she wants to be a head coach. Like she, she told that to us, mm. but a lot of times what you see with these position coaches is that when they get offered higher level positions at other teams, they go for it. And we didn't, we didn't have that this year. I have no doubt in my mind that Bill Callahan could have been approached about something else, but Oh no, no, he's staying here. Yeah, it's, it's our guy. Exciting. And there's going to be, I don't know if you guys saw, there's going to be a new building the Browns on Sunday. I'm not sure if you caught the little preview episode, but uh, our girl Callie, there was a clip of her with John John when he gets <gasps> into the building. So, and, like, my two favorite people ever. Yes. yes <laughs> I know, right in the same room. And John John was looking at all of Nick Chubb's like Pro Bowl helmets up there and was talking about like how good Nick Chubb is. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait for this episode. I'm going to yes. probably cry. Oops. <laughs> 
I, I love John John so much. He was on NFL network the other day and he was, he said that uh, he had multiple fans approach him when he came here to sign his contract. That makes me so happy. Like I, I am so, cause how often would a, like outside of like miles Garrett, how often would a random defensive guy be recognized? on the street, yes. but he not only the that, real like, peppers in CVS when people <laughs> harassed him. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that, but I just, I'm just, I'm so happy that Browns fans gave John John such a warm welcome because he deserves it. I'm just so excited. You guys, like, I am so, I, I don't even, I'm not even thinking about the draft right now. Like even the other day, my boss was asking me about some things that had to do with work. And he was like, think Meredith, what's going on that week? And I looked at him with my jaw on the floor. I don't know. He goes, Meredith, the draft is that week. That's right, boss. Yeah, and OTAs will be soon to, I mean, I'm excited for all of the hype this year. I cannot wait to see these guys just in a room together. Mm -hmm. Like not even doing, I just want to see them standing together. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like their OTAs are like, cause it's, it's organized team activity. I would love to see them organize a TikTok dance and do like Savage or something. Okay. But then we'll be, we'll get like the juju effect. The juju <laughs> That's, true. Effect. That's true. We'll, we'll do that later. We'll save that one for later. I just, yes. I'm, I, I just, I'm so thrilled for this team. I'm, this is probably the most excited for football season. I think I've ever been. Same, same. All right, we're going to do a hard pivot about something that's not so exciting, and that is the Indians. Uh, So obviously opening day was last week, and I wrote in the rundown tonight. (laughs) It pained me to write this. Uh The Indians are well on the way to a season of suck. Right now with a record of one in three, two losses against the Tigers, and then they fell to KC in the home home opener yesterday, three to nothing. Uh, we were texting this morning, or maybe this was yesterday. I don't even remember. And I think Meredith, you said, let's talk about the Indians. They can't hit. <laughs> and I laughed because I was just thinking about last year and feeling this way the entire season last year, where the Indians would go on these droughts of not being able to score runs. And then they would just rip off in one random game, like 15 runs. Yes. I would be sitting there thinking, can like, you don't need to score all these runs to win this game. Can you save some hits? That was, that was the joke that every guy, I, I remember that multiple times on Twitter when the Indians oh. would run up the score into double digits and they'd be like, Oh, save some runs for tomorrow. But it was so true. I mean, how many games did the Indians leave? Guys stranded on base. That seems to be like what they're best at. I mean, I think the only other team that was more skilled at stranding base runners than the Indians were the Reds. Like the Reds stranded so many last year. That was just like their specialty. But yeah, the offense with for the Indians is going to be a problem. Um, the defense is never really the problem, I think, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. we saw this with Shane Bieber um, in the season opener he had one little slip up and that cost them two runs and that's all it took. Like that's all it it shouldn't be that way. Exactly. You should not have to pitch a perfect game. Yeah. Like Like you should be able to give up one to two runs. That is acceptable. Yeah. I mean, you'd think on a normal outing, Shane Bieber giving up two runs wouldn't be a big deal, but it was those two runs that caused the Indians to lose the game. And you like, he, you have to have some run support. You've got to. And so it's just unfortunate that you've got Shane Bieber, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, 
having a loss on his record because there's no offense at all. At all. Okay, so I have to bring up, and Brittany, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know how much you love Paul Dolan, but um, I wrote in here a question. Is it all part of the process? (laughs) He was on WTAM 1100 before the home opener yesterday, um, and it was an interesting interview. And he talked about the name and how that might be like one to two years down the road. They're just trying to get everything squared away. And, and they have some names that they like, some names that they don't like, and they have to vet through things. But then specifically talking about the roster and the team itself, he was quoted in saying, there's a lot of talent, but admittedly, there are more questions about this team than there may have been the last few years. And we need to get answers. We need to find out who amongst the talented group of young players we have are actually going to be successful major leaguers. That's what the first half of the season is all about. That's not what the first half of That's not <laughs> like, this is not a plan. This is like, well, you know, we tried our best. Now we'll, we'll use the entire first half of a season to evaluate whether that's good or not. like, that's not what I'm, I'm speechless. This is not JV baseball. Like every- Every time he talks, like my brain wants to explode. I didn't even know he talked yesterday and I was better not knowing that he talked. Now yeah. I'm going to lay in bed tonight and just like <laughs> with my fist clenched, like that <laughs> son of a bitch. I have the vein popping out of my forehead. She does. We're going to, Brie, we're going to get a group text from Brittany at like two o'clock in the morning. She's going to be like, God damn it, Brie. I can't sleep because of you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop I'm... thinking about this. I, I actually just quoted that. I, I just copied it from the article because I was like, I have to read this verbatim because I can't even believe that an owner of an actual major league baseball team literally admitted that the first half of a very long baseball season was to figure out who were the actual players that are going to be on this team in the future and but I say future like loosely because what does future mean like this year next year I don't know first half and we're just gonna use don't worry guys we're just gonna use it's a lot of games that's a lot lot of games like you know we're gonna evaluate the first you know like few weeks a few months whatever like don't say the first half of the season is just to see who's a real major leaker like are you telling me? Are you telling me? It's, <laughs> so you're telling me that it's going. So, Mr. Dolan, you are telling me that it's going to take 81 regular season games to figure out who belongs on this roster. This Apparently. is just. So the other thing that I found interesting about his interview, he was also talking about the capacity and the 30% that is currently approved based on um, Governor DeWine's regulations and how. He's hoping that those regulations lift by July 4th based on vaccine vaccine scheduling and whatnot. And it almost felt like he expects that once they can reach full capacity, he's actually going to be able to fill that stadium. But in the same breath, you're saying that you're not actually sure if you're going to be competitive in this first half of the season based on the team that you have assembled and put together. I have to say, I have YouTube TV. I am not in Cleveland. I don't have local networks. I cannot watch the games. After hearing him say this, I have no desire to go pay to watch the Indians, especially if this is what I'm going to get. He wants people to pay major league prices to watch minor league players. Yes. That's what he, that's his business model. 
You so all these people that you know feverishly defend him and what he does, and they're the best run organization in baseball. Say that out loud, and just as a business model, does that make sense to you? That you this man expects fans to show up and pay. You know, it's not cheap to go to Major League Baseball no. games. It's not. So you you want people to show up to watch minor league players on a major league field because you don't know you can't say for sure if this team that you assembled is good enough to be in the major leagues so thanks for that confidence number one but you want people to that's what you're expecting like i just i'm flabbergasted right now i mean at that point i would just spend five dollars to go watch the lake county captains play exactly it's cheap like you could just hang if you want to watch baseball there's a lot of minor league games like go watch the minor leaguers don't give these people another cent of your money just don't do it also mr dolan your hot dogs have gotten worse so fix your hot dogs (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with the hot dogs i've never had them i love hot dogs it's like it's my thing and I remember as a kid, their hot dogs were the best thing ever. Like going to the baseball game was hot dog stadium mustard. That was my, that was my drill. Oh yeah. Every time I go, like every time I've been to an Indians game recently, I feel like the hot dogs are what you would get from like your high school baseball game concession stand. They're not what I remember. Yes. They used to be jumbo. Okay. Yes. And it's so weird that like opening day was the day. Cause one of my friends messaged me on Sunday and he was like, hey, you know, me and my friends are going to be at Clevelander tomorrow at like two, you know, we drinking, having a good time, blah, 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 if you want to stop by. And I was like, you're drinking at two o'clock on a Monday? Like, that's a little aggressive even for me. <laughs> and then he's like, no, it's, I was like, oh shit, it's opening day. Like, I completely forgot that that was a thing, which is terrible. That was like a holiday to me my whole life. And then, you know, now the Dolans have killed me. So here I am. <laughs> getting a vaccine during you know the home opener it was more enjoyable honestly <laughs> vaccine <laughs> Might have been. um okay so yeah that 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 was enough to take me off as well and then finally to top things off with the indians cleveland.com put out a twitter a tweet yesterday on twitter um about what the next nickname should be for cleveland and I wanted to go through these options with you guys and get your take on what you think is the best option. So there was the Commodores, the Guardians, the Spiders, the Blues, or Other. Can we call them the Cleveland Others? That's what I said because <laughs> that's my whole thing because the players will be on other teams. <laughs> uh, burn. burn. Take that bundle in. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we're ending the podcast that's that that. can't get any better that is the peak comedy (laughs) let me tell you i am and i've told you guys this before i feel like i've talked about it on this podcast before i get so annoyed at the name change discussion because when it all boils down to it it's paul dolan's decision if he wants a particular team name that is what he's going to go for and just the the multitudes of people coming up with all of these like creative out there like let's be the cleveland surgeons because of the cleveland clinic like oh i was just like God. i've i've heard more things like that like oh let's be the cleveland naps let's be like the cle- like I just so many di- and I'm sitting there thinking like 
the more out there you get with the team name, the less likely it's going to be first off. And secondly, like who cares? Like I thought the Washington football team being called the football team was comical for a while. And now I'm used to it. Like if Dan Snyder never chooses, and I mean, they're going to, but if Dan Snyder never chooses another name for Washington football team ever again, I don't, I'll be happy with it. I'm just fine. I know. I I like if they were just called the Cleveland baseball team, I'd be like, cool. Yeah. I I just kind of like it. I like Washington's approach. We're like, you know what? We're just lazy and we don't care anymore. So yeah. And it's like football team go. Yeah. And I just, I get so exhausted with this conversation because whatever Paul Dolan chooses, you're going to be unhappy with. Like that's like, if he chooses the spiders, the people who have been shilling for the Cleveland spiders for the past six months are going to be upset for whatever reason, you know, like they're going to like, people are going to find a way to be upset. And like, I don't think that the name change makes any difference. I get very annoyed by the people of like, oh, you're erasing my childhood. So like, okay, so if you were at an Indians playoff game in 1995 and all of a sudden they're now the Indian spiders, did you get flashy thinged from like men in black? Like are, are your memories from that day <laughs> erased because they changed the name of the team? Like, come on. I just, it's an exhausting conversation. And I just get, and, and it's because people make it exhausting because they're just, they're so like, this is what it should be. This is what it shouldn't be. They shouldn't change it at all. It's slippery slope. Blah, blah, blah. Like I can't. I can't well, and it. now you're like in this weird space where you don't want to call them the Indians, but you don't have anything else to call them Yeah, because they, it, they should have waited until they were absolutely ready to do it before they announced it. Mm-hmm. Because it's been going on for like a year now. Yeah. And we're just sitting here like anytime I tweet about them now, I say you know, the Cleveland Baseball Club because I don't like the the thought that we called <laughs> the Washington Redskins Redskins for so long. Like now you're like, wow, that was really terrible. We shouldn't. And you know, your brain enters the space with like the Indians too. And you're like, well, they've recognized that it's not okay, but they're going to make it okay for the next year or two and it's just like they they can't do anything right anymore yeah it's a weird thing to say like okay we understand that this is not okay but we're going to continue using this name like right with the way like like, and i know that in washington it was very financially driven um because i believe like i think i want to say fedex is like a 48 percent owner of the team or something like that or they've something i don't know fedex has a very large stake in both the naming rights for the stadium where they play and the team itself. And I believe that FedEx threatened to pull everything if Washington continued using the racist name. So that's when Dan Snyder said, okay, well, this is too quick to find another name because there's a lot of red tape involved with with changing a team name and a company name and a brand and all that. And he's like, all right, we're the Washington football team until we can figure it out. That's probably what Cleveland should have done. Like if they're going to come out with a like PR statement acknowledging the problematic nature of the name, but then say, oh, well, we're going to continue to use it. Like, are you really acknowledging that it's problematic? Yeah. And now we're just out here, like calling them something like we, everyone calls them different now. Like, it's just like, uh, okay. You left us in no man's land. So (laughs) good job, but whatever. I've come well, to expect nothing more. 
continuing on with Major League Baseball, though, I do want to get into um, our last topic of the evening. And Meredith, you brought this to my attention. I was a little bit lost. I didn't I didn't see this um, when it happened in real time, went back and looked at it. Um, and this really just has to do with Major League Baseball is people talk about the NFL being the no fun league, but I feel like we, and we've talked about it on our show, but the MLB is just less appealing and it continues to be that way. So opening weekend um, in the Reds game this weekend, Reds outfielder Nick Castellanos was fined and suspended for two games yesterday for his role. And I say role loosely in sparking a brawl during their game against the St. Louis Cardinals. So here's just a quick rundown of events that occurred. He homered during his first at bat, stepped out of the box to do his bat flip, which I'm pro bat flip, by the way. Yes. 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 <laughs> he then got hit by a pitch in the fourth inning by Jake Woodford. He picked up the ball, offering to throw it back to the pitcher, but then threw it out of play. During his on base, while he was on base from this, from being hit by pitch, eventually he scored off the wild pitch, sliding into home plate, who then bumped into Woodford at the plate, who was taking the throw from catcher Yadier Molina. And then he began walking away, and Molina tapped him, and the bench is cleared. Brawl started. Castellanos got ejected. So this was reported on today in the Associated Press that um, other players were fined yesterday as well. Um during this whole bra, but essentially he was the only one that was suspended for two games. The fines have not been disclosed at this point in time. I don't believe anything's come out about the fines. Um, this was the first disciplinary measure given by major league baseball's new senior vice president for on-field operations, Michael Hill. So Meredith go off on this. I know you have a lot to say. Well, first off, if you watch the the stolen home plate slide, <laughs> when, when Castellanos gets up, he kind of like does this like come at me bro motion towards Molina. Like he goes, he does this thing. I love I wish it. people could see me. Uh, like it was great. I loved it. <laughs> it is annoying that he gets suspended for two games because I think that is absolutely uncalled for. I mean, he didn't even, he wasn't even the one who cleared the benches. He was just kind of in the middle of it. But I guess because he was the aggressor, they just, but like it's, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And for a league that people have constantly criticized for not marketing their stars, it's like the minute anyone shows a modicum of a personality, they get suspended. Like Bryce Harper is a heel in the league because of his personality. Trevor Bauer is a heel in the league because of his personality. Trevor, ba Trevor Bauer was also doing some um, semantics, I think, during his pitching debut. Um, was yeah, it Saturday I, I or Sunday? I didn't see the regular season, but I know <laughs> during preseason, he was calling all of his pitches out loud so the batters <laughs> knew what he was doing. Like, for all of the issues that I have for Trevor Bauer, like, he's got a personality and he wants to showcase it. And it's just... So frustrating because that's the one criticism that everybody has about Major League Baseball is that the minute something even slightly interesting happens, baseball shuts it down and then cries <laughs> because they don't know how, why aren't young kids watching our games? Like, do you know how many times there's a benches clearing brawl in hockey? Like the most that ever happens out of that is two minutes in the sin bin, maybe five if it was egregious, but like, that's it. That's it. Like, and you know, we've seen fights on the football field and, you know, people may or may not get it, but like nobody gets 
like suspended for little tussles like that. And it's just, it's well, mind boggling. NFL, you can get fined for your wearing a different color cleat. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. And like, it, you know, if you're doing something egregious, yeah, you're going to get suspended. That's, but like nobody in that brawl ever did anything like at all. And like, let's talk about Nick Castellanos. Like he is such a vibrant personality. Like someone asked him about Yadier Molina the very next day. And he said, that guy could punch me in the face and I would still ask him for a signed jersey. Like <laughs> this guy is hilarious. Like the, the Reds for as boring as they can be, a lot of their players have really great personalities, but nobody knows it. Like, does anybody even understand how funny Evgenio Suarez is? Do you guys even know who Suarez is? I don't even is? know who this exactly. person is. <laughs> he is hilarious and nobody knows it because Major League Baseball just doesn't give these guys a stage to shine. And that's one of the reasons why basketball is so successful amongst young people. It's one of the reasons why it's so successful in China is you've got these personalities all over the place and they're given an opportunity to be a personality. Like Steph Curry is allowed to be himself. Like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, like all of the big stars, Kyrie Irving, all of them, they are all given a platform to have a personality and baseball just isn't. So I just, sorry, I'm like, I'm like going off on a tangent now, but just the, the two game suspension, I think was too much. And it really irritated me. I would have to say too, um, we've talked about how they need to infuse these personalities and, and market the personalities, because I agree there's great personalities in the MLB and you just don't know about it. I love the fact though, that it's a competitive nature and spirit and the bat flipping to me is just showing like, I mean, it's not easy to hit a home run and to, to flip your bat, to be excited about it, to like show off a little bit and have some fun against the pitcher. I'm not saying like, I want a pitcher to real retaliate by throwing a ball at the batter, the next pitch. Like I, I'm not That's advocating another thing for that, that. Makes me mad. Yeah. but I will say like, I do like the competitive nature when it comes to that. Those like little jawing at each other. Like that, that's fun yeah. to me in the NBA. Everyone's like best friends. I'm sorry, but like the NBA, like, yes, there are big personalities, but like they're dapping it up. They're broing like before <laughs> and after games, hanging out at the club. Like there it's very much like a, a fraternity in the NBA and like all these players, like, yes, they're professional athletes and they compete while they're on the court, but then they're also like, Hey bro, like good game. Let's go hang out. You know, I like, I like seeing that like competitive back and forth um, in the midst of a game too. So to me, like, I want to see more bat flips and the yes. jawing and the talking and the come at me, bro motions. Like, that's fun. Like, that's entertainment. Yeah. I mean, and like, you don't have to have that kind of thing in every single baseball game in order to make it interesting. But when it does, because I mean, benches clearing brawls don't happen that often, although they seem to happen a lot with the Reds. But when they do happen, like, don't make an example out of it. Like, yeah. that's really like, to me, that's really what it comes down to. Like, if these guys want to have a personality, if they want to do fun and funny things, you know, on and off the field, let them, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, I get, I get very, very frustrated because I love baseball. I will always love baseball. It holds a special place in my heart. But I, I get very sad when, you know, when I, when I see like my nephews have zero interest in baseball, they want to play football. That's fine. 
Like my, my little nephew wants to be like Odell Beckham Jr. That's fine. But like he, he can't sit and watch a, a baseball game with me. He'll watch a football game with me, but baseball, he gets bored after an inning. And I think if there were more things like bat flips or, you know, the players jawing at each other, even if they were like mic'd up, like the way Frankie was mic'd up in the all-star game in 2019, stuff like that would yeah. hold someone's attention. Like it's not the pace of the game. You know, it's not the, well, the, the, the length could be a little bit shorter, but really <laughs> like, like the pace of the game isn't the problem. They, they always cite that as the problem and it's not. Yeah, I totally agree. Brittany, any thoughts on this? I know we've talked about it before. Oh yeah. I have nothing new to add to this. <laughs> I mean, me. <laughs> she's still all fired up from Paul Dolan. I have like I am. for the rest of the night. My night is toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stewing still. Well, you know, obviously it's going to be a long season of baseball. We'll have plenty more to talk about the tribe woes, the season of stuff. Tristan McKenzie though. Yes. I know. I am sad. I can't watch him. I have to decide if I want to pay. Like, is this payable product, Paul Dolan? I think. Although not. I think it's. I think at this point, Tristan's a closer. I don't even think he's in the starting rotation. Well, no, the closer is that guy who said something stupid today. Oh, Karen Track. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did see that. I didn't bring that up because I saw that late, and I didn't have enough time to do some research on what the heck happened. Something about Nazis. Yeah. Not a good look. It doesn't even matter. I didn't even know who this person was, but apparently he's a closer. I don't know. I know nothing about he's this. Wi- he's Wild Thing, right? Are you, you're talking about Wild Thing. Yeah. Isn't that the, cl- isn't that the, oh, I thought that was Plesiac. No, Kieran Chow. <laughs> you, did you say Bueller? <laughs> no, I said Plesiac. Is he still there? <laughs> Plesiac. Plesiac. Yeah, that's it. He's the number guy. two. I like how you're combining it, their names as if they're in a marriage or relationship. It doesn't, they are all the same person to me. That guy. I just, yeah, I mean, it's, people are looking at this roster for for the Cleveland Baseball Club and saying, I don't know who these people are, and that's a problem. No, they get no respect from me. I am Except a Uchan fan. I love you, Chang. I do like I, you, Chan. I love him. Um, apparently, I didn't hear this because I was at work during opening day, but like apparently his walk-up song was Soja Boy, like the part where it's like, you. <laughs> oh, God. See, that's the stuff we need to see more of. <laughs> yes. I just, I just want to see more of you, Chang. Like he is an incredible player. I I hope that he's with, the, with, with Cleveland for a long time because I think he's got superstar power. But who knows? Like Bree said, like the Cleveland others, because they're going to be playing for other teams. Yeah, don't get too attached. I'm already don't fall attached. in love. I'm already attached to Tristan McKenzie and Yu Chang. It's a problem. I know. Well, I have to detach myself. No, I can't. I can't be emotionally invested. No, nothing. Nope. All right. Well, that wraps up our show. We had. I texted you guys this morning. Like, what are we going to talk about? And we had plenty to talk about. Always. Per usual. Per usual. Per usual. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in with us this week. Um, again, if you have a chance to go check out the Northwest group, um, be sure to check out their blankets and pillows. They have the softest little, I call them cloud pillows. My kids call them cloud pillows. Super soft and cozy. You can find them at the northwest.com. And don't forget to use code GIRLCLE, G-I-R-L-C-L-E, for 25% off. 
Again, don't forget to send us your feedback, um, however you may prefer, Twitter, uh, Apple reviews, Spotify reviews. We read them. Send us an email. You have all of our information. We love to hear from you. Keep reaching out to us. And again, don't forget to check out Brittany's giveaway this week and stay tuned for Meredith's next week. We will talk to you guys all next week.